So you watched it twice, you said? Twice? <laughs> I did, yeah, because I couldn't believe it the first time. Good evening, ladies and germs. It's that time of the week once again where we rejoice in the nostalgia of years gone by. I came to get down. I came to get down. So get out your seat and jump around. Uh, and to help me with this week's generational conquest, it's Simon Chadwick. Love it. How are you, Kieran? How are you getting on? Not too bad. Not too bad. See, you said before you like these uh, little uh, sort of the, the, the more the intros go on, the, the kind of more creative I'm getting. So you are. You're really settling into your creative groove, and I'm all for this. I'm all I, for it. I am, and I wrote down. I was going to say, "Here comes the hot stepper," but I said, "Hey, why not? Let's just stay." <laughs> why not? Exactly. I fully endorse this. I fully endorse this. Good stuff. <laughs> so let's see how creative we can get. So speaking of how creative we can get, Simon, who do we have on with us this week? Well, Kieran, tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, this man is a comedian ranger and a madman in traffic he's also the water boy slash super sub for the greatest rugby team on god's green earth <laughs> the seapoint Th- rugby club thirsty thirds it's kigo how are we lads super sub here just in case i can do many things i can carry water watermelons and uh that's about all that's where my talent ends but hope you're all well after a week full of mondays we finally got to the end of it we did indeed. Now I'm just looking back over. Uh, oh, do you know what? Yeah, that was my fault because I noticed you introduced him as Ranger, but I meant to say Ranter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, I would go with it. It sounds good. I'm going to put it on my CV. Yeah, a, a Ranger. I did wonder, but I never questioned these intros. I just read them out. <laughs> <laughs> you pr- yeah, I was going to say, you don't proofread the script, but uh, yeah, that was, that was my boo-boo. Um, yeah, not, 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 I'm, I'm just, my typing is all over the place lately. I don't know what's going on. Um, well, you're doing it from a closet. So, I mean, like, you know, we'll oh, forgive you. Mate, this is, it, it's gone beyond the closet, right? So basically just for those of you who are interested, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Uh, I, I moved into the cubby hole and it is literally, I'm no good at dimensions. I'm like Dougal with the, the, the guesses, the crowd estimate. But I'm going to guess it is, it's pretty high up, but that's not really relevant. But in terms of width, it's, maybe double shoulder length so that's i'd say about a meter wide and it is i would say probably about a meter and a half in depth so it's not great there's a couple of built-in shelves so it's very uh, there's, there's about half a foot no there's probably about three foot between the first shelf and the door so you've got to imagine how much chair space i've got uh it's also where the pipes for the heating live so uh quite warm and also my wife was like my wife's a hairdresser so she's got a ton of hairdressing stuff like hair dryers straighteners whatever and a ton of books on hairdressing uh so she was like i'll clear out the cubby hole you can move in there to do your podcast fantastic week one great plenty space week two a hair dryer or two to the side no biggie week three week four i am like i've got about six inches of space that i can use between books between hair dye between scissors <laughs> everything so calling it a closet is generous. Like, I mean, <laughs> like if this is what John Travolta eventually comes out of, he's not coming <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, the cubby hole is also a, a, a nightclub I got stuck in, in in East Berlin one night, but we don't need to talk about that on this podcast. No, maybe we'll say that for the, for the reeling, in, <laughs> reeling in your ears after dark. Um, <laughs> You, you can come on in the relevant year, Kigo, and then you there can tell you that go. story. If it happened in 2007, you can just come on for that year and you can tell yeah. that story. We'll have yeah. a little segue. 
Yeah, the st- statute, statute of limitations is over, so I can talk <laughs> about it anytime. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, and you can, look, feel free to edit names or leave them in, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We'll, uh, we'll have a little segment in the later episodes called Places Kigo Got Stuck. And you can <laughs> <laughs> just bring bring it up every time you need to um so it will get the ball rolling this evening now if you want to follow along with everything that we're doing um as we said in the last couple of weeks the actual new episodes of reeling in the years have ended so there is no more live tweets um unless they you know renew uh don't look back in anger for another season which i doubt they will um but if you want to keep up with pretty much all of the profile picture changes and other things that we're doing on there it's at r-i-y-e podcast so be sure to check us out there we're also up on facebook Facebook. Um, so this week's show, we open up this week with the swearing in of Ronald Reagan as he takes the big chair in the White House. Uh, the newly elected president takes the stage as we see celebrations and probably the only celebrated thing ever in Ballyporeen, uh, where his <laughs> ancestors are from. We see two flags flown, one American and one blue, white and orange. Like, either this is bad colouring, I'm going colourblind, or this is the Ballyporeen flag. But it looks like it's blue, white and orange as opposed to green, white and orange. There, there was this flag previously, right? So I'll, I'll tell you where I know this flag from. If you ever look back at um, the Ireland-Italy match from World Cup 94 in the USA, right? They have, they have a graphic which shows the two flags. Now, Ireland's flag and Italy's flag are very similar. They're green and white, and then Ireland has an orange third, and Italy has a red one. But on this graphic, for some reason, Ireland's green is like blue. It's like this, and I don't mm. understand the context with this flag. But it seems to pop up from time to time. Like, why, 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 why is our green blue? Well, I think we only got primary colours here in Ireland in 1979. So you know, there there was a lot of uh, colour issues. Primary colours and dentistry we didn't get until kind of late in our lifetime as a nation. So I think uh, I think that was why people just got confused because on a black and white TV, you know, green is blue, is red, is yellow, it could be anything. So I think they just made it up until everyone decided what the actual colour was going to be. Yeah, uh, it, it really looked like, um, I don't know, I saw it first and I was like, I was kind of like, I was like, I kind of know this flag from somewhere. And then I went... I think I saw that on inside a permanent TSB at some stage. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, maybe it is the permanent TSB. Well, who knows? It could be. I'll actually have to go. I should Google that actually, the Ballyporeen flag, but um, you know, they, they might not have one. Um, but yes, they uh, stop over in, um, uh, sorry, actually up next, the, uh, there's a stopover in Shannon uh, as Ireland welcomes American hostages. Um, not <laughs> sure which is worse, really, being held hostage or a stopover in Shannon. And uh, we see Smarmy Charlie never missing an opportunity to be in front of a camera. He's like the epitome of Shane Ross um, as he pulls a big, dirty Matt Hancock. Uh, as he stalls the head of two women and pro- <laughs> proclaims that he's enjoying it very, very much. This is so creepy. Jesus, <laughs> Charlie, like. <laughs> so creepy. Like, why, why was he asked to do it, first off? And then, wh- like, why take such delight? Why, why, <laughs> just, there's just too much, too much glee involved there for him uh, kissing these two poor women. I just... Yeah, they, they couldn't figure out how this near toothless man was coming up and, and trying to lick their faces. It was really <laughs> funny. Like, but it, but the, the, the funny thing, just going back to Big Ron getting sworn in, you could see Nancy in the middle looking at him, staring at him, mouthing the words along with him, saying, you better get this right, Ron, because I want to move into that big house and cause a lot of hassle. And so he got it right and he got through it. And then we went into the Irish trade of taking anyone with any Irish ancestry and claiming they're our own. So, like, you know, we've got Obama Plaza 
and, and we nearly had Ronald Reagan Road or whatever. It, it It's a weird trait that we have where I hear their 15th cousin twice removed might have been Irish, so we'll take them. And back then, we might let them play football for us. Uh, you know, all this sort of weird stuff. It's just a weird trait we have. You know, we should stand on our own. We're, we're happy enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, if uh, Nancy is mouthing the words along with uh, Ronald, you know, technically she's taken the oath too. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> but uh, anytime I see a president being sworn in, I'm just automatically reminded about the fact that as, as near perfect as he was, Barack Obama got nearly the whole thing wrong and they had to be actually officially sworn in behind closed doors. Um <laughs> eventually um but yeah it's it's gas like imagine you're 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 a hostage and you've been taken hostage for however long they were and like you're going home finally okay we've got to make a quick stop in shannon why are we getting off the plane why is this old man coming on to me why is this on film like it just seemed the whole thing seemed fucking weird like yay we're free oh shit no we're not it's charlie (laughs) even the secret service man at the top with the machine gun was just gone what the fuck am i doing here this is ridiculous do you think after after two years in like held hostage in iran with like their basic human rights being taken away from them, they they took a step out of the plane into 1980s ireland and went yeah now just take us back just take us back yeah I bought a return ticket. Let's get back to that Iran place. The, <laughs> yeah. the sun is out. We know what's what. We can. We don't get licked by strangers. You know, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing place, Iran. Yeah, good old good old Charlie just slipping it in when he can. Um, and this year <laughs> is, of course, the year of the tragic and infamous Stardust disaster. As forty-eight people are killed in a nightclub fire. Uh, the fire it was caused by what was initially suspected as arson. However, it was ruled out, um, and an official reason was never determined. Uh, however, this tragedy did change the standards of fire safety in Ireland, including ensuring fire exits are never blocked and easily accessible fire extinguishers. Uh, I was doing a bit of reading on it, and um, apparently they had kind of they hadn't written an official report and said yes the cause was definitely arson and signed off on it or whatever um because then it would have made the owners of the fire liable um and as a result you know they they struggled i can't remember i think it's butterly is the name butterly yeah, that's yeah. It. Mm. they struggled to do kind of business for years and um they i think they eventually settled uh when they came back and said okay it was an arson they eventually settled with the city like they sued the city for pretty much damages now they didn't get a whole hell of a lot definitely not enough to start another business but it looks like they never recovered themselves and i think there was plans to actually reopen uh or at least open a new nightclub on that site or you know reopen a new stardust on like the 25th anniversary but there was like huge outcry and like no please don't this is just mm. ridiculous but from the scenes it just looked horrendous oh it was frightening stuff like i i you know, i would have read about it and you hear about it in the news every once in a while where the the victims are trying to find out what happened but that that was the first time i really saw what what it looked like on the inside and it, jesus could you could you imagine like you know we've all been in nightclubs we've all been wrecked in nightclubs and you know uh, there might be a little fire or whatever but there's nothing like that that whole place was absolutely good and it's just it's a frightening thing to look at you know it was just it was petrifying yeah there's a very good podcast series by the journal a couple of years ago um i'd encourage anyone to listen to it on the on the stardust on on the back background to it and went into some of the victims uh backgrounds and spoke to a lot of survivors and stuff very very good podcast but yeah a real a real tragedy as you say karen a lot of um uh improvements in fire safety came about because i think if i remember from listening to the podcast there was there was uh, a huge amount of flammable 
you know, materials in and around the nightclub, you know, the chairs, the, the, the tablecloths, all that kind of stuff. Um, there, some of the exits were locked when they shouldn't have been and all that kind of thing. So it was obviously, yeah. you, know, um, you know, a very, very uh, uh, tragic set of circumstances. Yeah, they um, they actually released a kind of a, a mini film on in RTE, oh God, I'd say about 10, 15 years ago easily, uh, basically on the disaster. And there's a couple of Fair City actors in it and things like that, um, which, you know, if, look, if you're looking for some sort of a, a reconstruction almost, it's definitely worth, worth watching. It does go into the backstory of some of the victims, but, you know, it is, um, it is quite interesting. And, you know, a segue from something so tragic into something, and kind of, I suppose, humour filled. But um, while you mentioned there the podcast uh, that they did on this, uh, the journal did it. Um, I actually want to give a shout out because I was talking to, um, I suppose you could call him a new friend that I've made, um, and his name is Endo O'Darty. He's a motivational speaker. You might actually kind of know him. He did a charity fundraiser. I think it was for Pieta House, where he carried a uh, he carried a washing machine on his back uh, up Kilimanjaro. Um, but basically, yeah, he started his own podcast recently and I got chatting to him about the podcast. He said he'd love to come on as a guest at some stage. So we'll definitely have him on. Um, but he just actually his his podcast is called the Mini, the Mighty Mini Podcast. Um, and he interviewed Keith Barry recently and Leo, Ver, or not Leo Varadkar, sorry, Michael Healy Ray. Um, so if you get the chance, listen to the episode of Michael Healy Ray. It is just forget everything you ever know about Michael Healy Ray. And just listen to this. It's fantastic. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice, be sure to check out the Mighty Mini podcast with Enda O'Darty. Um, but up next, uh, Monsignor James Horn of Knock County Mayo <laughs> becomes my favorite human being of all time, as he states that young people are not returning home because it's too difficult. So the solution, build an airport. That's right. The world's shittest airport. But no duty free, no terminal, no permission. Uh, the Monsignor Madlad went and built the airport without the permission of the Department of Transport. Hired a building crew and just ploughed on. He says he's <laughs> taking a chance and going ahead anyway. What a hero. Oh, something's never changed. No planning, no money, no problem. We'll be open next week. No hassle. <laughs> oh, it's just bananas. It's good to see that that kind of um, attitude hasn't changed over the years. Uh, this this kind of mad man in a cloak, kind of just doing what he wants, kind of yeah. still happens really, except they wear suits and ties. But uh, I, this guy's hilarious. Um, you know, I, I he has too much time on his hands, not enough Lord's Prayer or whatever the prayer is that he was going to be doing. He's like, look, what am I going to do with this piece of land that I don't own? I'll just dig it up and I'll make an airport. It's like the, it's like the game Sim City in the nineties. You just lash an airport wherever you want just because you think it's a good idea. Uh, never been to Knock Airport. Um, not, apparently, Knock is good to drive through at, at high speeds, but I've never been there to stop. So, uh, apologies to any of our Knock brothers and sisters listening. Yeah, it, it just, I've never been myself, but um, I, I remember seeing an interview with this guy years later, and they asked him, like, and I think it might have been actually late later, but they asked him, like, and, you know, what did you plan on doing? You had no permission. And he went, well, I had God's permission. And that's like, right, well, that just trumps all, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, well, look, I mean, um, priests, priests not having permission to do stuff, but going ahead until someone stops them is pretty consistent with how they kind of went about things back in the day. So, uh, <laughs> you know, fair, fair, fair play to them for just, you know, plowing on, literally. <laughs> Yeah, quite literally, you just you just. But the way they pieced it together just seemed like ridiculous because he was talking about. You see shots of him doing it or whatever, and then your man, who's clearly been talking to him already, goes, "Monsignor, what are you doing? 
You're like you've been there, mate. You've you've you fil- you've literally filmed it. You know what he's doing. <laughs> you've done the ten minutes of small talk. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a bit too late. Did the edit get mixed around? Us? It was a bit too late for the introduction. Um, Is it like he just happened upon this like building going on yeah. and just started chatting to this priest, and then was like, "Wait, wait a minute, you're doing this." <laughs> What's the sort of these diggers here? I've just spotted them now. I've been filming for four hours and I've only just realized <laughs> diggers are digging up in a straight formation as if a plane is about to land here. What's going on? You know, yeah. Uh, but I would love on the follow up. Like, clearly, like, you, you know, he asks the, the, the interviewer, oh, don't tell the Department of Transport. Okay, A, they're going to see this. <laughs> and B, if anybody, like, if word gets around, like, you know, you can't just dig a, a, a runway and no one says nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real Irish thing I'm going to tell you but you don't tell anyone alright uh, oh you're on the telly oh shit tell you already. Yeah, yeah it's gone <laughs> oh it's hilarious what yeah. a man yeah absolutely fair play to him um, and in Belfast we're going back to the future at the motor show as the Homer oh excuse me the DeLorean uh, goes on display uh, future president Mary McAleese reports on the stainless steel dream machine <laughs> we, like this car is just I don't know like the car itself if in the film in Back to the Future it, it's iconic it's a piece of cinema history but like how did it not take off as a functioning like, how do you not still see more Delorean? Like, I see plenty of like 1988 Ford Fiestas with a red license plate going around. Then I still, then you'd ever see a Delorean. I don't know how this thing didn't take off. They're beautiful looking yokes. The best analogy I had for this was uh, the Delorean was a bit like myself in the 1990s. Not too bad to look at, but there was nothing happening on the inside. They just. They were not. They couldn't drive on Irish roads. They were shipped over to America, where rich people would buy them. Uh, a little bit of a fun fact: uh, an old friend, Seamus from WWE, spent forty grand to buy a DeLorean that doesn't actually drive. Now he probably couldn't fit in it either. But um, it, he spent forty grand on one in what is it, twenty nineteen? So they're wow. still around. Um, I don't know. I've never seen one on the road. Wow, that's like the the image of Seamus trying to get in and out of that fucking DeLorean is hilarious. That it is, isn't it? He's definitely one of these fellas who, when you see him getting into like their Lamborghini or their swinging door, those upgoing doors, that has to go in arse first. You know, like there's no way the legs are fitting in there. He's a leggy man. He's very leggy. He's very leggy. He owes me, still owes me an Irish flag because when I saw him wrestle when I was 14, he took the flag off me when I was in the crowd, walked away with it and never gave it back. So if you do happen to see him, Kigo, you tell him that he needs to send me an Irish flag. Yeah, Seamus is a klepto. That's that's an issue he's had for a long time. You know, he's... (laughs) He stole his gimmick. He stole everything, you know, and he stole his DeLorean. But anyway, that's... Uh, that's a story yeah. for another time. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're beautiful cars. If anyone has one, I'd love to buy one. But um, yeah, they're they're amazing looking. And to see Mary McAleese there, yeah. it took a couple of seconds. I was like, maybe it's another Mary. I was like, no, it's it's herself. It's, it's yeah. Mary It's Mary the second. Wow. Nice, nice, little, nice little Mary the second cameo there. That, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm very surprised. I didn't realize she was in... Um, she was in uh, broadcasting at any point. Um, I don't really know a hell of a lot about her, only that she was president and she gave one of the lads in school a box of Crayola for some art competition years ago. That's literally all I know about the poor woman. <laughs> um, but uh, up next, the knockoff U2, the Blades, play Ghost of a Chance uh, to the scenery of Ireland taking on Wales and the Six Nations, uh, which they would lose all matches. Uh, Simon, you're the resident rugby expert. Um any news or feed, you know, back backstory to this, or why were we so shit? 
not really. We actually like the, the year after is a very famous year in Irish rugby where we won the triple crown for the first time in, uh, in I think thirty nine years or something like that. So uh, uh, no, we were just generally shit uh, around this Aye. this period for most of the eighties and nineties. Bar some brief glory years, as I said in the eighties, uh, we were resolutely shit. Uh, Kigo, I'm sure you'd agree. Uh, so um, <laughs> you know, we did, did, things didn't get good until until. Uh, until the turn of the century really so um yeah just generally this was the this was the status quo ireland losing quite a lot and winning wooden spoons which is what you get for losing all your games in the in the five or six nations yeah a lot of moral victories it was, it's weird though because the team we had you know in that kind of 80s period there it was a savage team i just think they they just love the wooden spoon which is an irish thing you know um but i think it was uh yeah they found the only try we were going to score uh in that nearly in that entire tournament and then afterwards without skipping ahead but we're going back to south africa for the money this year uh and uh we went we went to south africa that year for the money as well so it's good to see some things you know money hungry people remain in charge you know which is really important yeah which which does actually bring us to our next point the irfu plan to tour south africa and politicians and people unite in a common goal to stop a tour uh a vigil is held because <laughs> you know prayer might help uh so the, <laughs> that's the 80s Ireland answer to everything. <laughs> but, but the tour goes on regardless. So it looks like prayer didn't help. Um, yeah, but we love protesting an old trip to South Africa as well. Yeah. Well, like this is only nine years before apartheid falls. Like this is late in the day to be still going on tour to South Africa. Like the rest of the world is basically treating South Africa as a pariah state. And Ireland are mm. happily sending, as Keith says, taking taking the rand and uh, and heading to uh, heading to South Africa, which is a, it's a real shame on the IRView that, that this happened. And we already saw a protest. Was it in the 1969 episode, maybe? Or yeah, yeah, one of the early ones, yeah. When South Africa were up here and that, there was a protest against that tour. So, I mean, you're talking about a decade later and we're still, you know, engaging them, uh, engaging white South Africa in their favourite pastime, which is rugby. And it just, yeah, it was just, uh, it's a real, it's a bit of a black mark on Irish uh, sporting history, to be honest, these things went ahead. Yeah, um, and it, it's funny because, you know, uh, one of the big things for apartheid, I suppose, back in the day was Dunn Stores refusing to handle South African goods. And that will tie us into a little segment about Dunn Stores in a little while. <laughs> um, but up next, the Eurovision Song Contest takes place in Ireland this year as the lovely Dearden Evreen hosts at the RDS. Um, our entrance, Sheba, sing horoscopes. Uh, we have no hope this year, do we? Uh, we should have sent the Nolans. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like they booked the usual three backing singer women they have every year, but they yeah. forgot to get a main act to put in front of them. So they just were like threw them up with the quickest song someone wrote while looking at the paper and was like, "What can I write a song about?" Oh, horoscopes! I'll do horoscopes. that. It's like yeah. it's like this is the worst song. I've heard some bad Eurovision songs in our episode so far, Kieran, but this is this is up there. Yeah, I like your, I like your way of thinking. Like they were just reading the paper. Like I can't write a song called Sports Section. I <laughs> I, I already did one called Business. So we'll just go with horoscopes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they couldn't use the TV section. There was only two channels, so they exactly. couldn't write a lot about that. But the funny part of that, like, there's one who starts the dance move before the other two, and you can see the confusion. It's it's like all of us in the nightclub where we kind of go, you know, someone starts dancing and we don't know what's happening, and then eventually we join in. That's exactly <laughs> what was happening during this song. It was very funny. It is, and like the UK wins this year with a box fizz making your mind up. Uh, 
dressed as the Brady Bunch. Uh, let's hope that the only thing, um, that, or sorry, let's hope that that is the only thing coming home this year. Um, Johnny <laughs> Logan also pops on to Bucks Fizz and gets a few sneaky kisses in, as does Shay Healy. Shay Healy. Stop touching the women. Just stop. Yeah, <laughs> just Charlie Hawley is the life out of these women. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't even care about the lads. He's like, I'll give you a high five. Or like, you know, he's nearly, one of the lads, I think, kind of goes in to give him a kiss, funny kiss <laughs> on the cheek. He like pulls back, like puts the hand out and then he grabs, the, grabs one of the women and it's, plants one on her. Like, And it's like, what is it about 1981 that all these unsolicited kisses are, are fire, being fired around the place? This isn't the last one in the episode either. No! Well, this is this is the first piece of merchandise for you guys. It's just a T-shirt that says, "Don't Charlie Hawkey anyone." That's, that's, oh, that's, I that's love the first it. one because you're right. There was one of the fellas in Bucks Face who was just trying to Charlie everyone, uh, Healy and Logan, uh, but neither of them were up for it. They were busy hawking other people. See what's <laughs> brilliant. I love this, it. It's, it's really interesting. So, like, uh, so fun fact uh, about Dear Nivreen oh. before we move off. Uh, Kigo, you may know this as a as a as a as a dub. Uh, Kieran, I, I expect you may not. Uh, so, Dira Nivrian's, uh most recent gig, or maybe not most recent, but one of her most famous gigs, she is the Lewis lady. So, if you're ever on the Lewis what? and you hear the, voice, you hear the voice announcing the stations, that's Dira Nivrian. Oh wow! What, what yeah. the... Fun fact from oh, the Eurovision to the Lewis. Did you just get on the Lewis and like hit Shazam? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually, I had heard, I had heard it ages ago because it was like you know, obviously she's been the voice of the Lewis ever. So I must have read an article or something about her years ago. And then when she popped up, I was like, I think this is the Lewis lady. And I googled it last night, and yeah, she is. She's the Lewis lady. So she wow. announces, you know, uh, I don't know, Ranala, Ronaloch, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, in her very Sagart. alluring voice. Sagart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not a sexy word to say at any point. <laughs> the green line is much much more gentle on the ears <laughs> as well as the eyes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We have um, actually funny, we, we're segueing into this, but like, you know, talking about those, uh, you know, like the, the, the voice, like famously the uh, the guy who does the um, stand clear luggage doors operating. Uh, he also does the... Um, Oh, the the the, 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 the the wash your hands information for the the, the, the some of the main hospitals. Uh, so when you're walking through the hospital, it's like welcome to you know whatever hospital. But my favorite one is from personal experience. Uh, we I worked in a pound shop as I think we discussed last week or the week before, and um, we had these. You know when you like you go into a shop right, and the the first thing you, you hear is the music, and you need a broadcasting license to play radio and you can't play spotify so you have literally the shittest of the shit like songs like horoscopes playing through the uh, pa we used to have that but we used to have ads for what we would you know be selling but the guy who owned the chain of super of these pound shops would do these ads himself and he there was one particular voiceover that he did now the line that he was clearly supposed to say was hello all you facebookers you know, these are our deals <laughs> like us on Facebook. But the man could not say Facebookers. So once an hour, I would hear, hello, Facebookers. <laughs> and anybody who's been to Mr. Price or works in Mr. Price will know exactly what I'm talking about because they still play that ad today. So you get called a Facebooker if you go to Mr. Price. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and back with things worse than Mr. Price, a hunger strike. Um, so back with the hunger strikers in the H block and there is shit everywhere. Um, 
just, wow, Maggie, Mag's thatched roof uh, states that there is no such uh, thing as a political prisoner status for these Republican prisoners. Uh, the group is led by Bobby's hands and they're denied the status. However, Bobby does end up getting elected as an MP as support grows across the countries for the prisoners and their cause. So even though they are bound and locked in a maze prison and going on hunger strike and they're dropping like flies, they still manage to get elected, which does show some support in the outside world for their cause, despite what Maggie Thatcher might say. Yeah, Maggie Thatcher is as likable as a prostate exam. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'm sure some people like them, but most people don't. It's it, she's she's just so difficult to sit and watch and listen to. Uh, and then you know what she did something that. Uh, you know, politicians in Ireland couldn't do. She actually brought a lot of people with disagreeing views together, uh, you know, to support these guys. Because there were people from both sides supporting the hunger strikers, not necessarily because of the religion, but more the politics end of things. Uh, and, and kind of the pictures that were coming out again, much like much like Stardust. I'd forgotten all of this, or I'd only seen it in magazines, you know what I mean? Or you see it on tours of whatever. But when you see the, the, the video of it with the walls and all that sort of stuff, and you start hearing about them, you know, dying at Bobby Sands after 66 days of hunger strike. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, but, you know, Margaret Thatcher is an absolute cunt. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, we'll edit that out when we go live, lads. It'll be grand. Uh, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting because, like, when you listen to her speak in that clip, you're kind of like, okay, what, what she says is actually, I mean, it makes sense, you know, uh, why she doesn't treat, you know, what her beliefs are in political prisoners. Okay, I get that. Until you realize that there were prisoners in that prison for crimes that they had nothing to do with. Oh, People yeah. who were picked up, interred, uh, were in no way involved in what they were accused of, and were just thrown in there and left there for years and years. Like, that, that's, why, that's one of the reasons these protests are going on. You know, this, like, that is why the political status is so important. And yeah, it just... Uh, it just this reinforces as Higo says you kind of you know it's a little bit it's it's before it's before our time in terms of the history of it like you weren't an adult watching this and, and you weren't alive uh, but you know it's it's it it reinforces that like you know this 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 what this woman was 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 all about and why so many people uh, did unite against her uh, as Higo says yeah and um it's gas because it, i can't remember the name of the country it's it's either i think afghanistan or turkmenistan or one of those countries um where the british embassy is on a street called bobby sand street um <laughs> i think it's iran is it iran it's, it's yeah our I, I old friends remember. iran yeah our old friends iran yeah <laughs> they they did they changed it uh to like baba sands um but then changed it back to bobby sand street which is uh which is quite the middle finger. Um, and then we see Forbes McFall, great name, uh, reports on the death of Bobby Sands after 66 days on hunger strike. Um, and as much rioting taking place as a result, and tens of thousands of people show out for the funeral as the pallbearers are decked out in full rag gear carrying the coffin. Um, so just even after death, uh, you know, such a support for, and I can't remember the actual number, um, but it said, I think it was like 10 or 11 uh, in total, uh, hunger strikers had died. Ten, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. it's a huge support um, for those uh, hunger strike hunger strikers. Yeah. Um, and did you notice, Kieran? Uh, to, uh, our old friend Neil Blaney, he of Arms Crisis fame from our 1970 oh, yes. episode, popped very briefly. Uh, he was ca- a campaigner for Bobby Sands' uh, election campaign. Uh, you know, he was elected a uh, uh, MP, wasn't he, Bobby Sands? So. Uh, the uh, Neil Blaney was 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 uh, still still very much a Republican and uh, campaigning oh, yeah. on behalf of Bobby Sands. And then uh, the, the the other thing I, I took from these 
this uh, particular montage was, uh, I think this might be, because this, I think, may be the second ever episode really in the years, because obviously they started with the 80s. Uh, this is probably the first really great syncing of music and clips in, in reeling in the years so yeah. the music is is phil collins in you know uh, in the air tonight or, or uh, that's like it's not necessarily the, it's, it's a grand song uh, but it's a famous song but it really fits the clips the way they've edited mm. together uh, and yeah. really kind of brings it home and i think the, the kind of drum beat hits as the riot starts you know there's like a petrol um, bomb or something kind of flying in the air and it lands and it's just yeah it's a really good uh, uh, a really good example of early reeling in the years uh, kind of finding its feet yeah, it's a, it's a good thing Bucks Fizz ended because I don't think the hunger strike would have meant as much if it was back to <laughs> making your mind up. <laughs> yeah, the the music is key because like that was what Ireland was in the like I'm a little bit older than you guys. I was born in the year we're talking about, ah. so, but but families didn't talk to each other until 1997. So you kind of all we had was music and RT one and RT two, which finished at 11 o'clock. So there was the world ended at 11 p.m. every night. But we had, you know, ABBA was nonstop in my house. Phil Collins was nonstop in my house. There was a bit of, was it David Bowie and Queen? And, or um, There was a load of stuff during this, which was basically my entire childhood was these mu- these tunes every day, nonstop, which is good. You're lucky to have good music in your house. But, uh, mm. you know, that was that was how, um, and it's funny talking about wooden spoons. That's another aspect of the 80s. Yeah. But uh, but now it was you know the, the music is is a is a massive part of these shows. It's great, absolutely. Um, and one music that I wish wasn't a part of the show is the Boomtown Rats. This part, <laughs> this part is always death. Um, and, just, and just Kigo, just in case you didn't hear last week's episode or the week before, uh, Kieran hates the Boomtown Rats. I love oh, it's, it's it's you're dead right. And I have actually a question for you guys after the intro, Kieran, because I I yeah I have a lot of questions about this song. But you you go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just about to be about to shit on uh, Bob Geldof and say, like, he's drizzling shits. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my, my question is, what is actually going on in this song? Like, I get, I get that they're, they're trying to be arty and make a message, but it's, it's very... I, I didn't know if it was an audition for some sort of weird German adult film, you know, of the 80s. There's a lot of topless men. They're, like, they're very yeah. topless for most of it. And uh, I don't know... Um, can you, maybe you, does anyone know what year MTV started? I feel like MTV wasn't around and music videos weren't widely oh, distributed yet. Uh, nine, I want to say 1982. Yeah, there's, an, so. there's an anniversary of MTV that happened day before yesterday. I'm trying to find the number. Um, they would have been 40, wouldn't they? Well, so then um, that would have been 81. So maybe, well, it's, maybe it just started. But either way, music videos weren't exactly... Uh, uh, I suppose seen by many people I would have thought or else he would not have made this music video yeah, yeah. absolutely MTV is 40 this year so thanks really? MTV for 14 years of music ah okay I think yeah okay no that makes sense um, yeah Jesus 40 well that's not technically the truth it's 20 years of music and 20 years of teen mom yeah <laughs> <laughs> true yeah, so, um, but after the Boom 10 Rats we see an airplane from Dublin to London being hijacked like Jesus, that's a quick turnaround. Like that's not a long flight. <laughs> you, you've got to you've got to jump into the the hijacking quick on that flight. Do you know what I mean? It's almost as soon as you take off, you've got to go because you don't really have time. You've no. got your thirty minutes, and then you can't hijack anything in thirty minutes. You've got to just go straight for it. Like, yeah, I mean, think about how long it takes you to get a drink on one of these flights. He <laughs> yeah. must have been racing against the fasten seatbelt sign. Like, right, it's yeah. off. Go. <laughs> but I'll, like, have, I'll have I'll have two gins and the plane, please. That's kind of you know how it all starts. Yeah. 
and and uh, Albert Reynolds makes the worst hostage ever because <laughs> what the fuck is this about? Your man, you know, he said he doesn't know much about the hijacking, but makes some smart remark about the third secret of Fatima. This this, this what's this, this bollocks? This is straight out of Father Dead. Like, this is brilliant. He's like he's like clearly out of his depth. Doesn't know what's going on. It's fine just to admit, you know, you don't know what's going on. But I think like you know. The state was such a big thing back then, and like I think, I think he had to feel he felt he had to have this air of like I know something that you journalists plebs don't, and like he didn't, and then he was caught out with that question of like he was like oh the third scene, what is that? And he just look at his face and like he clearly doesn't have a breeze. His, you can see the wheels turning, but nothing's happening. And then your man Sam Smith whispers it to him, and he's like, and then he just repeats it back to the guy dead serious, as if he just like knows exactly what it is. Like the guy behind you just told you what it is. Like, the barefaced cheek of him is just hilarious. It's like, I, I didn't know what way to take this. I didn't know whether or not like this terrorist got on board and actually asked for the publication of the third secret of Fatima or whether like that was some sort of quippy, like, you know, the third secret of Fatima is like something that's buried deep in the Bible. And he asked for it to be published. And the journalist like was like, well, what on earth is that? And Albert Reynolds was like, I'm obviously taking the piss. So I didn't know whether he was just caught out or whether he was like, he was like, are you thick? Well, I thought that at the start, but then then he gets the answer fed to him and just feeds it back to your man in a kind of like a scolding, like, how dare yeah. you ask that question? It's not for me to go into. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you think he tried to he tried to hijack the plane, realized Reynolds was on it, and he said, oh, Jesus, this is, this is not going to end well. I'm going to have to tell him something just to shut him up because he won't stop talking. And so he goes like some secret of Fatima. And then eventually he goes, I have to sit, I have to sit in here. If I'm going to be taken seriously, I have to sit in here for four hours. Uh, but let's get Albo off the plane pretty quick because I can't handle his face. The, the hijacker definitely got on right. And he was looking for a nuclear bomb. So written on the palm of his hand was, I want the secrets to where the fat man nuke is. But like he sweated so bad trying to get the seatbelt off that it rubbed out. And it was just like the third secret of Fatima. Yeah, yeah. You know what I want, Reynolds. Um, but, but, but like if it, is, it is obviously religious. Things. Like imagine if mass was like that. It'd be like lightning quick. Uh, just, just like the gospel according to Luke. You should know what it is. Go in peace. Um, now the, the, the flight eventually gets diverted to France where a French paratroopers arrest a hijacker after storming the plane um, and Albert was clearly on the flight the whole time because they, like the passengers and the, the paratroopers sit down for dinner together and isn't it all lovely uh, and then like you see Albert on the phone uh, and he's back on the flight smoking a fag <laughs> and on the phone now when he was like it says Albert Reynolds rings home. And I thought like, oh, how lovely. He's ringing in with the wife to say, oh, you know. <laughs> I'm okay. Goes, okay. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye, T-Shock. I was expecting him to go, uh, I, I love you too. <laughs> what, what I like most about this sequence of clips is that at no point do you see the hijacker. You just think Albert Reynolds, like four different scenes. And I'm like, come on. Like, was there anyone else on this plane? He really is the bright prerequisite to Father Ted because like, you know, it's like, what's the third secret of Fatima? Well, I, you, you, well, you should well, back off. And then he's just constantly smoking as well under stress. <laughs> well, do you know what it was? I was reading about it and I think the hijacker pulled the plane in and waited at the door for the paratroopers to come in just to get away from Albert Reynolds. So like, <laughs> yeah. he, took a, he took a sentence. They probably moved him to Bobby Sands Street in Iran uh, <laughs> to the jail there just to get away from Albert Reynolds because I remember D- Dermot Morgan used to take the piss out of him all the time and I never I got it. Because, you know what I mean? We're, we're too young. We didn't really yeah. get politics or anything. But when you watch this, you see how much of a gobshite he was. 
and you go, Jesus, if I imagine hijacking a plane and he's on there and you go, Jesus Christ, this is, <laughs> I had planned this out so well. I was going to go and, and hijack this plane, get what I wanted, retire to an island. And this gobshite is on the plane. I have to, I have to go to France, let the paratroopers take me yeah. and I'll get a bit of peace and quiet in the jail. Um, did, uh, did we not, did we, did we see the next unsolicited kiss? I did, I did. I must have missed that. So the, they're interviewing the French guy that one of the. Oh, parachutes. yes. Yeah. The yes. woman comes up. The woman, the old one comes up and it's like, I'm getting a bit of French beef here. Like your man's very hunky. <laughs> your man's a very hunky French paratrooper. And she just goes up and goes, merci, as, yeah. as any Irish person yeah. in France does and butchers the French language. And then just plats uh, one on him. <laughs> and he's and like, he's, yeah, yeah, he's going, yeah, yeah, go. And then she just like grabs him and gives him a big schmacker on the lips. Yeah, it's, he's there like, you know, this is like the one thing that he's been training for his entire career and you know he's done all the drills and it's like right today's the day we finally do it and then he gets the interview afterwards his moment in the sun where he's like you know yeah we went in there we, we you know we, we grabbed him and it was over really quick and then some owl one from like the mun or something just grabs him and is like mercy mercy <laughs> I, th- I think that's the new drinking game for reeling in the years anytime someone is hawhied uh, <laughs> that's when you take a sip of whatever you're drinking I think that's I like new- it I like it I yeah, like it it's I- now a verb and, they, and it, come, it comes to a nice, like many running themes in Reeling in the Years, it'll come to a nice end. I think, I can't remember exactly which episode, might have been the 2019 one, but one of the newer ones with the Me Too movement. So the hahiing, you know, eventually dies out uh, as we get into modern times. But back in the back of the early 80s, it was certainly alive and well. It's, yes. I, I, actually, I actually think the hahi, I think, I thought we just came up with it now, right here in this conversation. But do you remember the phrase to hockey someone? Hockey, oh yeah. Yeah, so maybe, maybe, People tried to use hockey back in the day, and, it just and then got mixed. he started. Yeah, yeah I mean just, the English, the English always called them hockey because they couldn't pronounce hockey. So there yeah. you go. It's it's definitely connected. Like it's <laughs> when nightclubs finally do come back, you're all going to be in the nightclub doing the hockey. But maybe maybe not. Actually, no. That's uh, don't do the high. Um, don't and, don't do the high without the consent of an, a willing partner. Then then the, the hockey can go ahead. There you go. Uh, and up next, we see Big Tom and the Travellers, worst name for a band I've ever heard, um, with Big but very, but very, but very, but very accurate. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> like it is, it is Big Tom. And the, I think, I think the whole band are from the travelling community. So I think they're... Yeah, it's, you couldn't describe it any better. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with Big Country Roads, um, like, I mean, we've said it before, but Jesus, he's huge. Like that he's guitar, so that guitar looked fucking tiny in his hands. I think Big Tom, Big Tom lets him down as a name. It should be Huge Tom. Yeah. That's like, you know, and, and it, this one, this started the the uh, the run of not plugged in guitars for the rest of the show. So Tom is there strumming away and, like, you know, playing chord changes about four chords back in the song, trying to remember the words of the song. Yeah, it was just, it was just madness. People were just jigging along, not plugged in. Where was the music coming from? It was early Top of the Pops, really. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it was. It was quite, uh, quite funny. Look, but he, like, but the one thing I love about these Irish musicians, and I think we kind of got a glimpse of it with like Brendan Jane and Father Trendy a couple episodes ago, where like it's it, the, what they wear on stage, you would easily see them out in the field wearing the same fucking thing. They just have no stage presence. Like, you know, where's the um, where's where's the sparkly jacket? At least maybe he couldn't get one to fit him because he's so large. But he just looks like a man who's just came out of the play one and said, right, we'll pick up the guitar now. Um, and up next, politicians are on the beat for the 1981 elections as we see horse-drawn carriages, buses and handshakes. <laughs> um, 
I bet you Albert actually got the hij- got the plane hijacked on purpose for the campaign, and uh, Charlie's giving out stink about the North as always. Um, but um, it's Charlie just... could do with the plane because I noticed in these first clips that Gareth Fitzgerald is on a bus, a helicopter, and a train, but you only ever see mm. Hoggy on foot. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's actually quite true. How he's how he's very uh, suspicious and, and and sort of leering around, but like yeah, Garrett seems to be splashing out the cash because he's just coming out of everywhere with these vehicles. For, for it's, it's hard. It's hard to, as we all know, it's hard to haul he someone from a, a helicopter. So <laughs> he has to be on his feet to be yeah, an that, absolute... Yeah, Garrett wouldn't want to be associated with that kind of thing. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That should have been that should have been Charlie Hawhey's, uh you know, election campaign to descend from a helicopter on a rappel and then kiss some unsuspecting woman and slap her in the arse with a sticker that says you've been hawhey and, you know, just off into the distance. Yeah, watch out, watch out how he's about. That's, uh, that's... Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, that's the T-shirt. <laughs> there, there you go. Watch out how he's about. Um, and up next, we see the most shambolic marriage since, oh, well, geez. Matt Hancock's. Um, Princess Di and a disinterested Charles are wed. Uh, Camilla can be seen in the back with a voodoo doll and a dinky going <laughs> crash, crash. Uh, yeah, it's 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 just amazing every time a royal wedding is on, the amount of fanfare it gets. Um, and like, but this is obviously the most famous uh, royal wedding of all time. And didn't she look lovely in her in her dress? Oh, she looked lovely. Charles looked like me sitting Matt's paper too in the leaving cert. About <laughs> as interested in that. And uh, at least Di was trying. You know what I mean? She was trying. She was. I don't think she was too happy to go to bed with that thing either. You know. So, uh, you know. No, I think- it was, she wanted to call it off, I think, beforehand, yeah. uh, because I think she he was he was uh, he was still carrying on with Camilla in some way uh, beforehand. Uh, but um, yeah, a lot of pressure on when there's 750 million people about to tune in for your wedding. Yeah, do you know what I watched? Uh, my wife watched The Crown um, not too long ago, and that they kind of got up to this point where uh, Diane, you know, uh, and Charles are getting married, and um, like. There's that famous clip where they're being interviewed on the telly and uh, the interviewer asks Diana, you know, Anna, are you in love? And she's like, oh, yes, very much so. And they recreated on the crown. And then this fucking idiot just goes, well, whatever love means. And I had no interest in the crown at all. I did not open my mouth. And as soon as he said that, I literally looked up from my phone and went, you fucking bark. What a what a... <laughs> like, It really is. Like I like one thing to say, like you know, well, who knows what love is? You know, I'm in love, but you know, it has many definitions. Nah, just whatever that means. Like, yeah, whatever she said, fucking idiot. I mean, uh, they're, they're gonna skip him, right? When 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 Queen Elizabeth eventually dies, like they, oh, they, 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 can't, they, they can't give him the being. They can't make him king. Like I mean, they, just, they, they have to like, give, like, give it to the young fella. They have to give it to the young fella because I mean, I think the world would actually end if that Wally and Boris Johnson were both in power. That would be that'd be like something out of Little Britain. The well, we'd, be doing, we'd, we'd be doing this show in twenty years, remembering when Charlie got his two weeks uh, in the big chair and Johnson got his last two weeks in the big chair, <laughs> and how the world just fell apart. But sp- speaking of the Crown, because the Crown is a weird one, certainly for me, because Gillian Anderson plays Margaret Thatcher in the Crown. Oh yeah. That's, you know a weird, I mean? that's a weird boner right there. Oh, 100%. I'm having sexual feelings for the Iron Lady, and it really is wrecking <laughs> my Irish guilt. You know what I mean? Yeah, Kigo, you're of the X-Files generation, so you probably oh. loved uh, Gillian Anderson <laughs> from the an early is, age. The truth is out there somewhere, yes. <laughs> I, was say, I was about to say something you can't say in 2021. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. Well, 
I was, yeah, I was more of a um, David Duchovny kind of guy myself. Anywho. Um, <laughs> He's so, great in Californication, but that's a separate podcast. He, yeah, actually he was. That was quite a show. Um, but uh, up next, we are going to do a little segment, which I never warn our guests about because it's just better that way. Uh, and it's our pop quiz. So I have basically come up with a question that I want you to give me the answer to. Now, it's pretty random and it's something that I actually had to do a bit of research into to make sure that there was just no way that Simon was going to win it this week. Um, so I've done my research. So today's pop quiz. How many days were Princess Di and Charles married? And I look for years, months, how many days? So do you know what, Simon, going to start with you. How many days Princess Di and Charles married? Uh, okay. So I, I don't win every week, by the way. That's that's a misnomer. I actually, I Most. think I lost the first like eight of these. Uh, but um, how many days? Okay. So again, I'm going to use my my lean on my reeling in the years knowledge to say that they got divorced in 1992. Um, well, sorry, they separated in 1992. Well, we'll just go. We'll go with that. So that's 11 years. Uh, and I'm no mathematician, but I reckon that puts them at about um, uh, 4,000 days around that. So let's say 4,168. Okay. 4,168 four, 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 days. Okay, i got to write this down. 4,168. <laughs> four, one, four, one, okay, Kiko, have a guess. How, how many would you say? How many days? Oh, I've actually, I was trying to, I was hoping you would go on for, for a little bit longer there while I tried to work this out with a pen and piece of paper. Uh, because I don't know if you knew, but today is, is uh, today's Friday, lads, and um, the best thing about Friday is I'm not trying to do something in the background here, um, but as you know, ah, come on, it, uh, time, please, time, please. Five, Alex Ferguson here tapping his watch. Five thousand and seventy-five. Okay, five thousand and seventy-five. Right, so. Write that down, 5,075. So, I will tell you straight off the bat that the winner is Kigo because he got the closest within... Mm, I'm not not a mathematician either, so I'm just going to tell you the number. So, they were married for a total of 5,509 days. Oh! Very good. See, the thing is, where where I think you might have skewed your calculations a bit there, Simon, is they did indeed separate in 1992. They never got officially divorced until much later. Because uh, divorce, was a, divorce actually, was a bad word in the royal family. I actually cool. knew that because I, I had a granny who was mad into the royals, bet into the royals, and I remember her being upset when they got divorced and not understanding why. Yeah, yeah. See, I, 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 I it, it took me a while to actually figure out, like, because you know, I knew she was with your man, uh, not Dodie Elf. I had the other guy, the, the the doctor who Naveen Andrews played in the drama. But anyway, who, um, and I knew that that was kind of around the ninety. 90- Four ninety-five ish mark, but then no, they eventually separated in in ninety-six. Uh, so yeah, five thousand five hundred nine days. Um, you would have got less from manslaughter. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the transition here makes it seem like Foster and Allen sang at the wedding. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I have I have so many questions about Foster and Allen. Please, yeah. me too. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll let you go ahead with you. <laughs> just, just, just okay. What? So. So they're they're dressed as leprechauns. Okay? Here, they, yeah, they look they look like Will Ferrell and Elf. Um, <laughs> the song is is called a bunch of time, 
but I googled them. I was, I was so intrigued, and I, I I found a line which is probably just from Wikipedia, but I can't remember. I copied and pasted it here, and it says, "Despite the romance and charm of the music and lyrics, the song is in reality a warning to young women to protect their virginity." But. Uh, the girl in the song ultimately ignores the warnings and becomes infected with syphilis. Now, I didn't hear that when whoa, I listened to it. Whoa, 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 what? Look, I have no idea. I didn't listen to the whole song. I have no idea if that's in any way true or I've just been fed a pack of lies. It is the internet after all. But uh, Syphilis. Syphilis, apparently. That's, that's what this song is about. Syphilis. Of Virginia. And, and they played at Dive and Charles' wedding. I can't yeah, believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah, right. Poor woman walking down the aisle of the song about getting an STD. Jesus Christ. That's, I've got to look into that. Um, so. <laughs> El Foster and Alan. And like, I don't know, I, like, I don't want to disparage anyone for how they look, but I'm not sure these two would become pop stars nowadays. They definitely weren't the face of romantic music. <laughs> this, this well, no, I, I'm glad they just you look like two dads. Like. Yeah, it's, really, it's, like, it's like drunk Christmas Eve, you know, <laughs> dads trying to play guitar. But I'm glad you pointed out leprechauns because I didn't get that at all. I couldn't figure out why they were dressed like weird oldie French swordsman from the revolution. I couldn't figure out what was going on, but Leprechaun makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. now that you say it, it certainly does. Like, I mean, I kind of copped the... Well, first of all, I was fixated on the fact they were wearing tights and that just... The, the rest yes. of it was just gone for me, but... Because <laughs> I, I only know Foster and Allen from the Podge and Raj Pistic, Fester and Aelin, and the famous yeah. song, You Should Never Shove a Banger Up Your Arse on Halloween, which is a great warning. Yeah. You know, it's much better than uh, than syphilis in a bunch of time. Yeah, well, it's, it's better than coding your song, you know, about syphilis into something about a bunch of time. I mean, time is a time is a is a is a herb. It's, it's a cooking, um, you know, ingredient. I don't really understand why why what it has to do with syphilis. That makes me wonder what that Simon and Garfunkel song is about—the one about parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. You know, is, is that like is that like chlamydia? You know, gonorrhea, <laughs> crabs, like crabs, it, you know. and syphilis. Yeah, those are those are the things you'll get if you mess around with Foster and Alan. <laughs> but, but with the song about sticking a banger up your arse on Halloween, can you do it any other day of the year, just not on Halloween, or what? I didn't hear that song. Well, it's just. No, it's just uh, you know, don't do it on Halloween because they're you know bangers are a bit more uh, av- you know widely available, uh, okay. uh, and of course in this context, banger being a firework um, as opposed to a you know a, a drug, um, you could probably stick them over a whole any day of the week. But anyway, I digress. Um, on on election day, uh, the new doll meets as we see a young uh, young pint snatcher Mickey D um, and a very trim looking Mary Harney. Um, and as we see that Charlie is out, Garrett is in. Um, I have a feeling we'll be seeing Charlie again. Uh, Garrett says, it's prisoners first. And, oh, yeah, we're financially fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the look on his face is brilliant. He's like, I think this is worse than I, you know, if this is a real, we're going to need a bigger boat. Kind yeah, of. it's it's like he, he had the morning over in or- the Auras president hillary and he was uh he was oh actually sorry uh random fact about president hillary which i uh, in the course of researching the royal wedding i discovered is that he actually declined to attend he was invited oh. and he didn't attend on the advice of charlie hahi oh who told him that because they were in a dispute with britain over northern ireland it wouldn't be right to go to the royal wedding so there you go president hillary uh spurned or snubbed the royal wedding along with the king of spain and some uh, middle east uh dignitaries 
Ah, well, I mean, you know, Ireland's president, I can understand. The King of Spain, uh, you know, he's probably just sitting back in his chair going, oh, that's too hot today. It was apparently over Gibraltar, so I don't know. Oh, know. well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that, those, those Brits are a contentious bunch. Um, so, I mean, look, fair play to him. Um, but, but yeah, the look at Garrett's face when, he's, when he realises, he's like had his morning in the Oris, he's gotten his seal of office and he's, you know, delighted with life. And then he gets in and yeah. realises how bad the finances are. He looks like he's had to get a kick up the Oris, like he's just... Yeah. He's the stunt. He's, he's shell shocked. No wonder he didn't last long. He's, you know, he literally walked out there like he's just found out that, like, you know, like it's just, he's just not gotten good news off the doctor, and he's like, yeah, well, um, woo, yeah, we're we're done for. Um, and speaking of prisoners, uh, Gardy intercepted protest on the British embassy, and mass rioting ensues. Not a mask in sight. Shame. Oh wait, no, this is a justified protest. Never mind. Um, we see Kieran Doherty becomes the eighth hunger striker to die uh, for the cause, and he was elected the TD. Um, the flag at Leinster House flies half mast as he was a TD when he died, um, and the hunger strike would end in October after ten die. Um, the prisoners are eventually given their request. So the this, the, the fight of Bobby Sands and Kieran Darty certainly not in vain in this regard. Yeah, we get the lovely clip of Jerry. I was never in the IRA, Adams. Uh, yeah, at the end, just kind of like oh, I don't know, Jerry. I'm starting yeah. to see a few holes in your story here. Yeah, I was, I was hoping we were going to hear the Jerry voice from RTE back in the day. It's like a a badly dubbed kung fu film, you know. It's like the other voice coming out of this yeah. Jerry Adams head. Like you know, Jerry's a bit. He's 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 about as inconspicuous as you know building a runway in knock like he's just <laughs> he can't avoid him like he's just he's clearly fucking there i was never in the rap mm, okay jerry if you say so um and up next gay Byrne introduces us to the rubik cube as he pronounces it i don't know what the <laughs> fuck he's doing rolling his r's it's um, a gay Byrne pronunciation of a very the, simple the, word the rubik cube <laughs> uh the original fidget toy uh, as everyone in the audience and young children try, try to solve the puzzle I've never been able to solve a bloody Rubik's Cube. Mm. You're a psychopath if you can. That's yeah, the test. Yeah, you have yeah. to be. You've all these kids who are like obviously awesome at it on stage, but then they cut to the audience and they all look like we do when we're looking at a Rubik's Cube. Which <laughs> yeah, like, what just... the fuck is this? How did he do that? How do I get this colour? <laughs> we're, like, we're like Homer playing, making a castle out of his mash. Yeah. Like the tongue is out <laughs> of the mouth. Uh, the they're, 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 they're learning long division for the first time and they're just going cross-eyed looking at it. Like it's just... It was hilarious. It made me feel good to be Irish. Yeah. Because there were very few psychopaths in that audience. They were all on the stage. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's funny because I look at a Rubik's Cube and uh, like it's such a simple thing and it's been around for so long. And I remember being, I remember this was the first time in my adult life I realized that I actually have to watch what I'm saying because I remember being in Debenhams one Christmas and looking at all like the cool little toys and gadgets that they had. But they had like a, they didn't call it a Rubik's Cube. It was like, it looked like two Rubik's Cubes mashed together. So it was like a Rubik star thing. And I literally looked at it and I went, amongst a load of children, I went, oh, fuck off. <laughs> As if it wasn't hard enough to make a cube all the one colour. You may as well, just, like, I just gave up paint it all, painted it all the one colour. <laughs> um, and uh, what makes me see Irish, uh, sorry, Ireland's first women army recruits are seen marching. Fair play to the army, following Boss Aaron's lead, taking on the women. <laughs> it's a great, great year for the women. Yeah, they, of course they wear skirts because you couldn't be putting them in trousers. No, God forbid. No, God, God, God. The fellas, the fellas, the fellas will be getting confused seeing women in trousers now. That's that'll be too much for the Irish people. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Books fizz whip ripping the skirts off the women. That's fine, but uh, we draw the line at our army wearing uh, our army women wearing trousers. 
That's it. Oh yeah, I, I was watching this with herself and, and she's looking at me going, so when are they going to rip the fellas' trousers off? I said, darling, this is the 80s, the good old days where it was only the women who were disrobed in public against their will. Yeah, those women are having their skirts ripped off and then they're having the gob lobbed on them by yeah. Shahidi and that's about it. It was, the, it was only the women who got hide. <laughs> well, well, the French, the French man got hide now in fairness, but that, he, that was on French soil, so... There you go, it's not hide, it's... The, a, Irish woman, the Irish woman was technically on holiday and everyone knows you can he, uh, do things on holiday, you he, can't do it. Oh, he got, he, he got oh, Jack Chirac'd. A hi in 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 France is a wee wee. So, ah, I was gonna, I was going to say it's a, it's it's a, he got Jacques Chirac'd, or was oh. he? The, <laughs> it was was it him? Was he the touchy feely president? Yeah, there's a few of them. There's Sarkozy's a bit touchy feely. That thing. was it. Sarkozy. That was it. Sarkozy was the one who was very touchy feely. So they there you go. The the, the French equivalent of being hi is being Sarkozy'd. <laughs> but that actually sounds comfortable. Yeah, it sounds so much better. Yeah, it does yeah, to be to be Sarkozy'd. Um And super, as mentioned earlier, supermarket owner Ben Dunn is kidnapped by the IRA and released after a week. Uh, crazy story is he was driving and he was flagged down uh, to assist with a fake accident. When he got out of the car, he was bun- he was jumped and bundled into the car, allegedly uh, against advice as well of the guard. He, a ransom was paid uh, of, of 300,000. Uh, they demanded the money and the family basically said, look, why not? We've got it. It'll get him free. And the guard, he'd be like, no, no, don't pay it. But apparently they um, they paid it on the sly uh, to get him back. And like I was, I remember reading this story in a book uh, called It Was Murder and It's All About Irish Murders and Kidnappings. And this was in it. And I thought it was very fascinating. And then I, I, when I was doing my research for this, I Googled Ben Dunn, you know, supermarket or whatever, and found his Wikipedia page. That man, like... Couldn't have just left it at being kidnapped and went on to live a happy life. No, no, no. <laughs> no. 1982 was arrested for trying to smuggle cocaine and uh, solicitation, all sorts of shenanigans. Um, I kind of went off it after that, so I don't know what he's up to these days. Yeah. Right? No, he makes he, ma- he he has the gyms. He makes a reappearance in Reeling in the Ears for that exact uh, crime uh, later in the well, actually it, in the early 90s. Yeah. Is it the same Ben Dunn that owns the gyms? The same guy. Is it? I I couldn't. I God. Okay. I, I thought it was two different Ben Duns, and I thought that was quite coincidental. But hey, it's a it's a good gym. Cheap yeah, I thought I thought he was arrested more than once. Is this the only or is in kidnapped? Sorry, this is the only uh, kidnapping, is it? I think so. Yeah, I don't think he was kidnapped again. They'd be very unlucky if he was kidnapped again. Uh, well, if they paid a ransom, you know, they're probably like, well, they'll pay it again. Well, that's very true, actually. I must I must actually look it up and see if you get a... I, unless I'm imagining things, I just remember maybe it's the same kidnapping, you know what I mean? They, I get confused with all these uh, dumb stores employees getting kidnapped, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, and up next, Galway versus Offaly in the All-Ireland as Offaly take the win and the Leave McCarthy Cup. Uh, Kerry make it four in a row, looking unstoppable in the football. Uh, name a better duo than Liston and Egan. Well, Edge and Christian, that's about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. No lie detected. No lie detected. Um, and this is the year of assassinations, as Ronald Reagan is targeted by an assassination attempt, as is Pope JP too. Um, both luckily survive. However, the Egyptian president, not so lucky, as he's assassinated. Yeah, that's, that's a nice little clip. A little, like, it's like, oh, this is the year of assassinations. And, you know, two out of three surviving is not a bad rate, really, is it? No, I mean, that's, <laughs> you have one in three chance of being assassinated. If you're but let's face it, nobody in the West really cared about the Egyptian president. You know, yeah, everyone was you know, probably happy enough that Reagan and the Pope survived. Yeah, the Pope's one was a mad one, though, because he went to the hospital bed of the guy who shot him and basically forgave him, which, I mean, you'd expect a Pope to do. Like, if they tried to assassinate the new fella, like, you know, you wouldn't expect him to go to the hospital bed and be like, nah, fuck off. Yeah. I'm the Pope. <laughs> 
Well, I think they, they threw in the Egyptian guy to try and kind of say, look, it wasn't all good. Yeah. It wasn't all, you know, not everyone survived. This fellow you haven't heard of, he died badly. Did you like um, when, when Reagan gets shot and then all the lads jump on your man? There's a, there's like the first two or three guys jump on him and, 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 uh, and obviously like pin him down. And then there's another four or five who pile in. It's like watching American football when the lads <laughs> jump on the yeah. pile in the end. Like it's like they, that's where these guys get it. Like the, there's four or five just gratuitous jumping on, which is, which is just no need for it. No, no. But, um, yeah, it is, it is crazy because like that, that, those clips of, uh, well, mostly John Paul. I mean, Reagan got shot and survived and it was like, yeah, all right, let's just move on. But, you know, the Pope getting shot, uh, is, is a very kind of well known, you know, scenery. But yeah, they said, freeze frame it and everything. Yeah, they do. Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's 1980s freeze frame, so it's very pixelated, but freeze yeah. frame all the same. Um, can, can I just say, lad, just in relation to the GA, I did a little bit of a test and I'm going to test you guys if that's oh, all right. That's, yeah. I, I, I want uh, I want you to take a guess how many helmets and teeth were visible during this game. Sweet fuck all. <laughs> so there were two two helmets. I was going to say there'd be a handful of helmets. There's usually one or two Mavericks wearing helmets with no face guards. Yeah, yeah, they were they they were called vicious names by their family for wearing helmets and being wimps. Ostracized. Uh, four, Fourteen teeth in two games were visible. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was the old days. No gum shields and more gums. Yeah, that's it. More gum than shield. Um, yeah, it is. And I mean, like that continued. I don't even know what year that came in where it was mandatory to wear helmets. But Oh, uh, like uh, ten, years, 10 years ago. Was no, it? even less. Yeah, because I remember um, Jeremy O'Sullivan, who was the Cork fullback in the mid-2000s, yeah. The Rock, uh, he, he was coming towards the end of his career and he, effect, he essentially retired because he didn't want to wear a helmet. That's uh, so, yeah, I think it was like the, the late noughties, let's call it. Yeah, because I remember playing like an under twelves game, like and you didn't have to wear helmets, like and that shit was scary. Um, but those those twelve girls could hit hard. Um, but uh, up next, my favorite song of all time uh, plays oh out as Finbar Fury sings "When You Were Sweet Sixteen. Very young looking Finbar Fury, of course. Um, still plays it brilliantly to this day. I even had that song play at my wedding. Um, Beautiful song. It is, to be fair. It's uh, it's very now. The version, the, the live version he gives us there is very like, Meh. but uh, you know the song itself is is quite lovely. Um, okay, well that's that's I don't really have anything else to say. If you both love the song, um, it's it just you know I don't know. Sweet sixteen, little bit, little bit dodgy. It's a bit <laughs> like uh, you know. Anyway, it's a lovely song, apparently. So I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't be smirched. I'm just saying that it's a little bit creepy. A grown man sweating while singing when you were sweet sixteen. That's all. Well, now I kind of regret playing it at my wedding. Anywho, no, no, no. <laughs> well, you were both older it's, than that. That's fine. It's too. okay if the other person is the same age. Okay, <laughs> just not if you're Finbar Fury with his. Weird. I don't know what age he Maybe he's older than he looks. Maybe he's very young. In this yeah, we'll ask the highs. We'll see what they think. Um, <laughs> God, we're totally getting done for slander. Anywho, um, so before we go on to uh, finalise the show, um, Kiko, I believe you've got a comedy festival coming up that you wanted to tell us about. Absolutely. Thank you very much for, for giving me a couple of seconds. Okay, sure. so Eargasm is, going, is the name of the festival. Halloween weekend this very year, 2021. We're taking over a, uh, a boozer in town called The Drop Dead Twice, uh, just on France, Francis Street there. And we have three days of comedy. Uh, the Friday night is going to be headlined by Damo Clark. 
The Sunday night is going to be headlined by Father Damo himself, Joe Rooney. Nice. Uh, and we've got a load of Irish comics over the three days uh, just to get all my friends and all the people up uh, on stage again. So as we sit right now, this is the only uh, live gig that's happening this year outside of a festival that probably won't happen. So uh, do come along. Um, the, the, all the info is on uh, Kigo Laugh's Facebook page. And uh, tickets are fiver. If you use the phrase party tits at checkout, uh, that was my nickname in college, <laughs> you, you can get a discount on your tickets. But you're coming out, you're supporting Irish comedy. Everyone will be safe, socially distanced and all that. But we're out to have a laugh in the face of all of these mad times. You're going to see some great comics you haven't seen and a couple of comics you have seen. So it's going to be great. Do come along. Bring people you love. Bring people you hate. Bring your mistress, your mister, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, whoever you know. Uh, come along and support Irish comedy. It'll be a great weekend. Excellent stuff. I actually look forward to it. I haven't been to a comedy yeah, in ages. Yeah. Everybody for getting people back out and about, Kigo, it's great. Yeah, that's it, because, I mean, one of the big things about this whole pandemic is, you know, people who rely on things like comedy and music and all that, you know, they've been pretty much shafted because, obviously, they can't do it. And not only that, but they weren't granted the status of being employed by the government, so they couldn't even collect money for it, so. Yeah, they're not real. Comedians aren't real people, so. Apparently uh, not. Yeah. Apparently not. Um, brilliant. Look well, forward you're to real that. to me, damn it. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Um, and to finish out the show, so we always just discuss, at, you know, if, if we were to have a little dinner party, who would we invite to uh, from that? That we've seen from this episode. So three characters, uh, or not three characters, but three people that we have come across through this show, who we might invite for a little dinner party. So I'm going to go ahead and let Simon start first so that we can get you a little flavour of what's to come. So Simon, Lovely. who would you invite? Uh, okay, so first man in the door is Bobby Stans. Oh yeah, um, gotta have him. I, I'm fascinated by the mentality. Obviously, this is a man who literally laid down his life for his beliefs. Uh, you know, whether you agree with, you know, uh, obviously, I'm sure you know a lot. A lot of people don't agree with everything the IRA did, but you, you can't but admire that sacrifice. Um, yeah. You know, and I would really like to sit down, chat to him. You know, get 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 a get a sense of that mentality because I think that's that's something that I'm I'm fascinated by, and I'm not sure I would have the 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 bravery you know the courage i mean laying down your life for any belief is is uh is you know it's brave so i definitely get bobby sands in uh, um obviously pre-hunger strike because i do want him to eat the dinner um, <laughs> no, uh, so you know let's we'll get in pre-hunger strike bobby sands and or, you don't want I'm your bathroom sure when he got, filthy afterwards uh, yeah exactly i'd rather he didn't smear the shit all over the walls but look um i you know i'm not going to imprison him in the, in the house he's free to leave so uh you know yeah but look i'm sure i'm sure he's eating in, in whatever version of paradise he went to so uh you know get bobby in um second up despite kigo's um maybe dampening down of the enthusiasm for the song at the end. I'm going to bring Finbar Fury. <laughs> uh, you know, seems like a good guy. I, I take it that he wrote that song or uh, that song was written when the writer was also 16. Uh, just, just, I'm going to live in that delusion uh, <laughs> to, to protect the integrity of the song. So um, I'm going to bring Finbar. Seems like good crack. And the last person, and I, I went through, uh, when I was looking at it last night, I was like, there's not actually anybody in this episode. Well, there's not that many people that I would really bring. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, unsolicited kisses. I'm not bringing anybody who hahed anyone. Uh, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, but so I so I settled on Monsignor Horan. Um, uh, I, I very much I I don't approve of his being in uh, being a religious uh, you know uh, person. Uh, <laughs> um, but I 
can get on board with his uh, disregard for authority and uh, his decision to go ahead and just build the airport and, you know, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. So uh, so I'm going to get Monsignor Horan in uh, for a bit of crack. I and I'd I, say he likes a glass of sherry. We'll get yeah, the sherry in. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with his uh, beliefs policy, but I do, I do agree with his runway policy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. uh, after that example, Kiko, if you were to bring any three people from tonight's show to dinner, who would you bring? Well, it's funny. I, I, I wasn't going to have the Monsignor on my list, but I do love a chancer. So, you know, he would have to go on there. But I, I think the first person... I would bring is just to see what he's like in a in a normal environment, and that'd be Mister Fourteen Face himself, Charlie Hawkins. I, I would love to see what he's like when you get a few glasses of whatever into him. The stuff he's going to say, you know, what he sold to who, why he's where he is, all this sort of stuff. Uh, just to just to wind him up a little bit. Obviously, the entertainment for me would be Bucks Fizz, um, just to sing that song and and, and rip the trousers off each other uh, around the dinner table. Uh, and then, and then for me, um, I would I would invite um, Bob Geldof just to not talk to him. Uh, those would be my those would be my three, and obviously uh, our 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 savior Mary the second would be there as well, uh, just to just to talk and and we would listen. But everyone else, Bob Geldof not to talk to Charlie Hawhey to just see what he's really like. Books fizz between courses. What a night. Yeah, that that actually sounds like the right night. Um, for myself, I've actually got something very similar to uh, Simon. I actually picked Bobby Sands for pretty much the exact same reasons and Finbar Fury because I just I love the Furies and a bit of atmosphere. My third, however, might shock you, uh, Mary Harney, um, because I just I don't know what it is. I've just I've always had a little bit of a thing for Mary Harney. Wow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you do you, Kieran. You do you. You do you. you know. Yeah. Were you waiting for the right moment to say that in, in your life? Because I'm not too sure if that was it. Um, no, I've, uh, no, I just, I've, I've always kind of, um, she's just, she's one who was always on the telly when I was growing up. And mm. I just think she's quite, um, she's just interesting. Um, you know, um, like, I mean, I don't agree with the fact that she was Minister for Health while being severely overweight, but that's a story for another day. Um, but she is, no, she, she just, she's, seems like a genuine a genuine person so i, I definitely bring her well uh, as, they, as, they, as they say there is a market for everything some people like to dress up as furry animals and go into forests and ride each other some people <laughs> like mary harney so you know there's hey, a market for everything see there you go there's, there's what, a... what kind of party are you having here and would you have would you have a team <laughs> um i i yeah it's it's you and Finbar would probably just be having the chats, or maybe Finbar would be singing, and and Mary Harney and Bobby Sands would probably duking it out over uh, over over politics. So I don't know. Would you maybe have like you could have a pinata, just something to distract them, you know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I think that might be a good idea. Yeah, you see, it's kind of a running thing amongst my friends that like I have the strangest taste in like famous women, and I kind of did it as a joke because one night I got really drunk and I sang the song uh, "Chasey Lane" by uh, mm. Bloodhound Gang, but I replaced the words "Chasey Lane" with "Anne Doyle." Um, so like the line is like you've had a lot of dick and oil but you ain't had money <laughs> so it's it's just wow. a, yeah, yeah Look, I, I mean we can get off board with Aunt Doyle and, and Marion Fanuke young Marion Fanuke oh, who you had in a previous episode I mean Jesus. young Marion Fanuke very attractive but very. 
Uh, I'm not with you on Mary Harney. I'm going to be honest. A nice, it seems like maybe a nice person. Yeah, I don't know. But hey, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need you to be with me on Mary Harney. No, you do. You, you, got, you do. You, you got a solo run there, Karen. You do. You. Happy days. Um, anywho, if you have enjoyed uh, this, well, I suppose confession of <laughs> my love for Mary Harney, um, or if you've enjoyed anything that we have discussed in this show, I want to want to thank you very much for coming along um, and enjoying and j- joining us. Rather, I can't talk today and joining us on this journey as always. Um, this episode. And every episode that we have drops every Saturday night um, at 8 p.m. Again, if you want to keep up with what we're doing, all the shenanigans, follow us on Twitter at RIYE Podcast. You'll find the audio of this show wherever you find your podcasting goodness. It will be uploaded to YouTube one day whenever I whenever I'm not lazy. Uh, but I'd like to thank, make a special thank you once again uh, for joining us this evening. Thank you very much. It's his one and only Kigo. Cheers, lads. Happy Friday. What and an hour and a half. And to you, you, sir. And thank you very much once again to Mr. Simon Chadwick for joining Thanks, me. Thanks, Karen. Thank you very much. Not a bother. So, gentlemen, you make sure to have yourselves a good evening. To those of you listening, make sure you have a good week. We will see you back here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And as always, keep on reading. Stick a foreign object up your bum. No, you should never shove a banger up your arse and have a wee. It's not clever, it's not funny. Something is quite obscene. You should never shove the banger up your arse and have a wee. Cut your